0: This audio recording is from the 11 a.m. service with Pastor Philip Roblard. For more information, please contact us on our Facebook page.
1: somebody out when they're in trouble. It's a pretty good story. About a man who was a Samaritan, that is he came from Samaria and he was traveling along a very dangerous stretch of road where robbers and thieves would be kind of camped out and shot them and then beat them up and take whatever money they had. This Samaritan there were two other people that walked by him. One was, do you remember one, what the story was? Do you remember what he was?
2: Yeah. I remember the story.
1: Yeah. Okay. It was a. It was a. Uh, a, a, a first of all, it was a priest, like a preacher, thing. thing. And uh, he kind of went to the other side and didn't do anything second person who came by was was a Levite. And, and they kind of like were like elders in the church. Yeah. And he didn't do anything either,
2: did he? He, he looked at him, but he didn't do anything. He just kept he walking. Got, he could have been attacked.
1: Yes, yeah. you got it. Well, you know the story well. <laughs> wonderful. And then what, ed- what ended up happening was, what, the Samaritan came along. What did he do? third person, yeah? I think
2: he,
1: he did. He did help them. As a matter of fact, he bound up his wounds and then he took him to a local hotel and told the owner that he was giving them some money up front to help him, to feed him, to take care of him because he had to keep going. He had to, probably had appointments to keep like your dad or your mom. They're both business people. And uh, he had appointments to keep in the next town in Jericho. Let me tell you a little little history about going from Jerusalem to Jericho. You know that that Jerusalem is 2,300 feet above sea level. So it's almost like sitting on on a small mountain. And the road from there, Jeff, was about 20 miles or 34 kilometers. <laughs> that makes more sense, eh? 34 kilometers. So, uh, almost about the same distance it would from here to Perth. And, uh, and uh, so it wasn't a long road, but if you're walking it with an animal or even on the backs of camel. And camels are the most uncomfortable <laughs> animal there is to ride on. Trust me. One day, I had the privilege, while was over Jerusalem, actually twice, and this, what this animal does is it kneels down, and then you get on, there's two humps, which kind of keep you in place, and, and you get on the thing, and this thing gets up. Folks, it's like living, uh, uh, getting up on a, a, a merry-go-round and it's just back and forth and the legs finally snap to attention and you're finally up there. But the other thing you And so, you and I, as, as people, we need to learn from the Good Samaritan. What could we learn from the Good Samaritan? Well, how about being nice to other people, when even when they're not nice to you? <coughs> That's one thing we can learn. Because, you see, Jews, and obviously the man that had been beaten up was a Jew, he was, he, they hated him. Samaritans. It, it, adults will understand. It. They loathed Samaritans. They didn't like them at all. They hated them. Yet it was a Samaritan. He became a nice man, he even took out of his own pocket to pay for the for the health of this, this man that had been beaten up. And that says to all of us that we need to do the same, don't we? We need to do the same. We need to learn to give ourselves away a piece at a time day at a time, and watch for opportunities that we can love someone else. Okay? You're great. Let me pray with you. Thank you, Lord, for these wonderful children. Thank you for Caleb and Isla. I thank you for their lives and how wonderful they are as children. We ask you, Lord, to bless them as they uh, enjoy the service. sat with him until his foot was fixed, and his uh, cast was put on, and then he brought him. he drove the car for this man back to the garage and said to him, do you want me to drive you home? And she said, well, he said, well, how will you get home? And he said, oh, it's okay, Irving will follow me.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and so Irving did just that. He followed him all the way home. us so much through this man named Irving Young, who gave away um, his his services sometimes. And my brother, who managed uh, the grass for about uh, uh, a year, maybe, uh, realized (coughs) this guy was sometimes giving away his services, and he resented that. And yet, because of his generosity, what we do for others is always reciprocated. Not necessarily in kind, but in terms of how God We're going to pray the prayer together as we listen to God's word. It's in your bulletins. And uh, I'd like us to say it together in unison. Today, O God, we thank you for this meeting. We pray that you will help us lift up those who are lying by the side
2: of the road. Give us the strength and grace to serve you with all our hearts so that our efforts will
1: bring many friends and neighbors to you. I'm going to ask one of her elves to come and read the scriptures, and she's reading from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. There's a lot of
3: in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That is written, what is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbors as yourself have answered correctly, Jesus replied, Do this and you will live. And he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him. Expert in the law, he replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do like that.
1: of my favorite stories in Scripture. I guess because I've seen so many examples of it in in my uh, time as a pastor. And I've done my message left by the side of the road. In October, in Reader's Digest there was a featured 24 stories that were called The Touching Kindness of Strangers. The author, Leslie Wagner, uh, told of to being a, in a supermarket. As she checked out, to Wagner's surprise, the bill was $12 more than she had in her purse. Embarrassed, she began removing articles from the counter. But to her surprise, there was a shopper behind her. Gave her a $20 bill and Wagner responded, will this be a problem for you financially? And the response was, my mother is in hospital dying of cancer. I saw her this morning and she got mad at me for spending money on more flowers. She demanded I do something else with that money. So this is my mother's money. Enjoy. She responded with gratefulness to him and, uh, and paid her bill. But what a thoughtful act. Taking the time to help somebody else out until you realize that the man is probably giving it because his mother wanted him to or told him to. One of the world's best-known acts of kindness, of course, is found right in this passage. Do you know that the Good Samaritan is known across the board in every language imaginable? It's known in Russian, Chinese. I could only know these because I, I had people in my church who were one or the other uh Greek, uh French, English, uh there was all kinds of old Filipinos. I tell you, there's nobody that I've ever met in all the years I've been pastoring that doesn't know the story of the Good Samaritan. Why even Caleb and and Island knew about it. There you go, at that young age. Well the fact is that uh We probably have seen more acts of kindness in Canada than any other country in the world. And I say that because uh, we Canadians are known for our generosity. Jesus tells the story of this man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. About, as I said, about a 20 mile journey or 34 kilometers. And on the way, the man is beaten up, he's stripped of everything he had, and he's left for dead. Bible scholar William Barclay notes that this frequently happens along that way, or happened along that way, because of the fact that any thief could hide in the crevices or jump off a certain point and knock the person who was riding off their camel, off their, off their, uh, their, their donkeys, or even their horse. It was something that happened often. Of course, there was no RCMP or uh, FBI or any of those those groups that could help because no one would hear about it. The person who was left dying or dead was often buried after animals uh, had done them in at night they would often bury them, people would come along and in in kindness and grace, would bury them. That was the way it was done. The fact is though that when we think of the road that was well traveled, here we've got a priest. And I have to say that you know, I have from time to time virtually done the same thing. I'll never forget I was filling in at a three-point, no, a four-point charge. That's fun. And they all have services. Uh, And you'd have to, you know, finish as fast as you could. As a matter of fact, you left an elder in charge to close the service. And you hightailed it out of there to the next church. And you drove as fast as you could. Well, that's wonderful what the weather's like today. But usually it wasn't. And so I was filling in and and I drove like the dickens to the next place and what I had set up, the previous minister never did this, but I I did. What I'd set up is that I would make sure that there was somebody to start the service. Uh, The organist would play the music, but I usually had some lay person start the service and and, uh, get all the way through to the announcements, calls to worship, uh, the opening prayer, and singing the first hymn. Well, that worked relatively well. Unless, of course, that particular elder or church leader didn't show up. And you know, in the middle of winter, that could happen, and there were no cell phones at that time. So nobody could call you if you didn't get their message early in the morning. Nobody could call you and tell you, well, uh, I'm sorry, but that won't be happening. I remember the first time I came here. And I had trouble finding on it on a GPS, my GPS. There was no road to no road, but the only one was to go down the highway and then come down from uh, Highway 17, is it? And that was the only way I knew, it, and that was the only way the GPS knew. So I followed it. It took me forever to get here. I started out two hours before, and uh, barely made it. And some people say I didn't even barely make it. But <laughs> well, we won't go there. We, <laughs> we were singing. Yes, I know you were. It was nice to hear, though. They, oh, they've started, it this reminds me of the old days, when I was a student. Well, you know, uh, the fact is that here we have a priest. Happened by, and, oh yes, one day I'm driving along and I'm thinking, i got to get to the service and somebody was in the ditch. So I thought, I can't just drive by. I wanted to, I'm going to tell you right now, I wanted to, I had to get in service. that was only the third one. I had one after that. That means that that one would be late and the other one would be later unless I cut the sermon down to bare facts. But I didn't pull over nobody was in the car. So I said, thank you Jesus that somebody else rescued them. And with that, I got back in my car and drove like the dickens to get to the third service. Well, you know, that that happens. But in this case, I mean, he had a good reason. The law stated that if the priest was, was to come across a dead or dying body, that would deem him unclean to perform his liturgical or clergy responsibilities. So next comes a Levite. He's kind of in the same league. He's kind of like an elder in the church. and uh, But he would be under the same law, and so he too was off the hook. But Jesus said there was a certain Samaritan. That's all we know about the man except to, to recognize his generosity. Who came upon the man in the ditch, had compassion on him, And he bound up his wounds. You know, the word pity is not a very good word. It might have been a better word years ago or centuries ago, but not today. When I pity somebody, I think to myself "Well, They don't have any other hope, so I better do something. But this man had compassion on him, which to a, a Jew was unbelievable because they hated Samaritans so much. And yet here it was, a Samaritan, the most hated person imaginable for any Jew. But he had compassion on him. And he bound up his wounds and he poured oil and wine on those wounds, probably the wine that he kept with him so that he'd be able to uh, continue to hydrate, and placed the beaten man on his own animal, bringing him to an inn. He took care of him. And the next day, the man being a businessman had to move on. So he says to the innkeeper, I'm going to give you two silver pieces. Do you know what that would have been worth back then? I did a little research. Two silver pieces would have been the equivalent of about $100 today. That man took out $100. It might be worth more than that now. But he'd taken out $100 of his hard-earned money. And said to the guy, "Look, if this isn't enough, I'll give you more when I'm back." Obviously, he knew the innkeeper too. Obviously, I had frequent flyer miles. Well, maybe not. But the fact remains that he was a, 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 he was he was known to the innkeeper. And as he had as he left, "I'll give you more," he says when I come back this way. And Jesus tells this story in response to a lawyer's question, who is my neighbor? Let me ask you that question today. The lawyer was trying to justify himself because he'd already asked the question, what do I get? How do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered him, and he knew what the answer was. And then he says, I'm going to get him on this one. Who is my neighbor? Trying to justify himself. Don't we do that from time to time? Oh, well, somebody else will help them out at the side of the road. Or someone within your church is in hospital and you happen to be visiting there. I'm going to give, uh, I know Linda is one of these people that, man, she's an amazing visitor. Uh, and, uh, and Barb, Barb uh, Crane uh, sent me a text the other day and told me that the news was not good regarding Bob Scott, who will be praying for him today, but but uh, God definitely did heal him in terms of prostate cancer. But he now has colon cancer. And uh, I say to everybody, get checked every five years. And as you get older, maybe you ought to make it a little more frequent. And it's not a nice process. A colonoscopy is not a nice process. Sorry folks, I just don't like somebody well, <laughs> the fact remains that all of us need to understand that as 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 people of God, we need to take the time to make sure that those that are sick are visited, and those that are in trouble are visited. I never forget while I was pastoring the church, and I really didn't want to even go. I was pastoring in Toronto. I was at uh, uh, Grace Church, a time that I feel was was a highlight in my ministry, one of the many highlights, but this was certainly one. And I will never forget, I heard of one of our young men whose dad was our clerk of session, who ended up in jail because of something he did. I'm not going to get into the details, but simply to say that then he had to go to court, he was given, uh, he was let out on, uh, on bail by his parents and, um, and I went to see him and then in court I went to see him as well and, uh, and, and stood with him and they asked me, uh, would you like to, um, and I'd I gotten to know him quite well, we'd gone up for lunch a few times, uh, we'd spent time together uh, I knew that his heart was right, but something snapped, and this was not his way. And I went uh, to his, I went to uh, his side and uh, spoke in favor of him. And, and the uh, the judge, who was a very gracious man, said to him, "You know, you've never been in trouble. You've never been. you never. You've never seen court." And I'm telling you this right now because I've already found out that you did this on the spur of the moment. But young man, if I ever see you in my court again, I will throw the book at you. And with that, uh, we all left the courtroom. That It wasn't a big deal for me to do that because I already knew the man what about if I have to speak on behalf of someone who's a crook? I'll never forget the story of the deaf man who uh, was an accountant for the mob. And his boss, of course, was one of the Italian mobsters. And uh, he was deaf as a doornail. As a matter of fact, that's why they hired him. They brought him in because he couldn't hear anything. So he wouldn't hear of any of the goings-on. Except something went terribly wrong when they, discuss, they did an audit on the books. And there was $10 million missing. And so one day, he hauls him into his office with his lawyer, that is the mob boss, hauls this, this accountant into his into his office with the lawyer, and the lawyer said, "Tell me something. My my uh, client wants to know where ten million dollars went." And the old accountant says, "I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about." So the mob boss pulls out his in 357 and puts it up to his head. And the lawyer again asks him, "Why don't you? Where did the money go?" And he said, "Well, I have it in a, I have it in a in a in a briefcase that I put in the shed of my brother Luigi." That's the accountant's response. And so he said, "Well, you're going to go get it, or you'll be dead." And so he says. The lawyer, again, in sign language, asks this deaf man where the money is exactly, and will he take it to him? And the old man responded that, no, he wouldn't take him to, take it to him. And so the, the lawyer responds back to the mob boss. He says, you don't have the boldest
2: readers. And I thought to myself, you know what? This man
1: had been a faithful servant of the mob. And he thought he couldn't hear, but he knew enough to know that he uh, knew his boss and that the boss would never do that to him because he was an old man. I often thought of that and thought of how the fact that we as people of God need to have the heart to do the right thing. I felt, I, 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 sometimes when I, when I think of the, tr- of, the, of the fact that, you know, your children teach you some things that you never teach, you never taught them, read really. in, in, in intention, at least. I was in Kingston, just before Amy was to graduate from the University of Queens. And I said to her one day, I said, well, how are you enjoying the university? She said, I really like it. And so we kept walking. We were going out for lunch. We kept walking. And uh, a young lady comes out almost facing us and says, Can you help me out with some money? I need help. And I just kept walking. Amy stopped. She pulled out some change that she had in her pocket, all of it, and said to her, Take this. It's all I've got. I said to Amy, who's paid for your university all this time? And she said, "Uh, well, you paid for my university, but I paid to live. I've had this job, and and I can do what I like with my money. She said that. I felt guilty. In today's society, people are much less prone to be good Samaritans. Are you a good Samaritan? You, as the person in the pew, you might ask, well, how far should I go? When the fires that hit Fort McMurray in May of 2016, because of the closeness of that little city, because it, it was almost a city, Not one person died in those fires. As a matter of fact, three babies were born. The most horrible sequence of events. Millions of dollars were poured in from all over Canada and even around the world from strangers and family. Stories like these, though, make us uncomfortable. And I was reminded of this again. I had given something. It wasn't an awful lot to the cause, And uh, and this lady in my church in Toronto, because I was retired, sent me a $20 bill in the mail uh, and with, with a card asking how I was enjoying retirement, how I was enjoying returning to Ottawa. And I thought to myself, this lady doesn't have two nickels to rub together. If it wasn't for her daughter paying room and board and her small pension, she'd have nothing. And here she was, thinking of people in Dunmolland. Well and it made me. Well, Jesus teaches to go beyond what the ordinary person is apt to do. We need to know there are people who will go the extra mile. A book, and with this I close, called Profile in Character, writer Barb Cuban, who later became a congresswoman, tells that her character was shaped by her parents. Her birth parents divorced when she was only about eight years old. And her mother remarried and her stepdad worked so hard to provide for the new family. Barb's birth dad was visiting her on a holiday and he was beaten and robbed. Literally in the same kind of thing as what happened to the, the man on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho.
2: Ended up in the hospital
1: paramedic was trying to find some place he could call to see if the family, a member of the family wouldn't be there. And he happened to find a piece of paper with the number written, and just so happened, it was uh, where his ex-wife and, uh, and daughter were, were living. And so he made the phone call. And when he made the phone call, he, of course, was speaking to Cuban's stepdad. And you know, on learning what had happened, he went straight to the hospital, paid his medical expenses, then took the birth father to a hotel, left a credit card imprint to cover all of the expenses, including food, because now he was on recovery mode. And Barb, on seeing her stepdad taking care, taking care of her own father, that left a deep impression and cheat, her own character those of you who know the grace of God and what he's done know that we were the ones laying in a ditch bleeding feeling rather depressed broken and God became our great great Samaritan he picked us up he dusted us off he healed us he transformed us. He forgave our sins. And then, he makes us his child. That, to me, is the greatest illustration of grace there was. Archie Rutledge was visiting a church one Sunday, and the singing was contagious. Prayers were splendid. The minister was impressive. And as the congregation left the service, A young lady was crying by the church's front door, and one lady went right over to her as soon as she came out the door, put her arm around the young lady, dried her tears with her own handkerchief, and then took her into the church to freshen her up and comfort her. Rutledge concluded as he was leaving, only one person in that entire congregation really knew how to worship, and she helped never forget the story of Campolo. who when he was leaving uh, a place a hotel he saw a little girl there and uh, she was cold and shivering she had a thin dress on and no coat and he became so angry with God he said why did you permit this why haven't you done something about her why haven't you supplied her need and God didn't respond he said for a while that evening God replied, I did do something about it. I created you. Mm -hmm. And that's why God made me and that's why God made you. To do something about the world we live in. To touch people who we come across. To rub shoulders with those that God can depend on. looking around for people who need our help in order that they might know that there's a God who loves them and cherishes them and wants to reach out to them and the only person that can do that is us. Make it happen in us today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Turn with me. Numbers 571. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my life.
2: Thank you. Receive
1: our gifts, O Lord, after all they come originally from you. Use both gift and giver for the ongoing working of your kingdom, both here at home and around the world. Through Christ we pray. Amen. May we see you. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer on behalf of the needs of our congregation. I have one that isn't in the list. And that is um, um, Tammy and Kevin locket. Uh, there, the child that they have been looking after uh, sneaked into the pool and drowned over the weekend. And so let us pray for that family that God would encourage them and the, grand, the great-grandparents, uh, Doreen and Jack, uh, Ch- uh, Churchill there are of course our regular requests and you may have some and we'll give you opportunity to pray in the midst of that of our pastoral prayer let us pray gracious god we pray for every one of the people that are here today and we give you thanks for them we give you thanks for the way you've supplied our needs all week every single need that we had was supplied lord i pray that you would Remember this entire family the grandparents and the parents and the the great grandparents Dreen and Jack and Kevin and Kevin Lord be with them would you please touch their hearts knowing full well Lord that they ache today after all you know exactly what it is to lose (coughs) your son to death and so you can empathize with them better than any of us can I pray that you'd wrap your arms around them and, and sustain them. Lord, may they be still and know that you are God at this time especially. We want to pray for those others that we have before us. George Breithwaite, I was in to see him this week, Lord, and I pray that you'd be with him. Terry Fernier, Bob Harper, Bob Scott, Ray, Nancy. Sophia, Dawn, we thank you for the progress that she has seen. The family have been overjoyed with your hand in their lives. Joyce, Rob, Stan, Morgan, Florence, Nick. Those in retirement homes, Lord. We think of Rita and Audrey and Dawn and Donna Tizik and Norma. Lord, we lift them up to you and ask, Lord, that you be with them. That they would know that your spirit has visited them at this moment, at this time, in this place. Lord, we think of our own prayer requests. And they are heavy on our heart. And your mercy, O Lord, as we bring them to you. Hear our prayer. now that as we think of all of the prayer requests that we might have in our hearts, we also pray for our nation. As we face an election, Lord, may your will be done, because it needs to be. At present, we are not seeing that done, but we ask, Lord, that you would bring about your will. Lord, we pray for our leaders on every level of government, federal, provincial, and municipal, and ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be with you. Now, Lord, we pray that you be with us, guide our lives this week. May we look for ways to touch the lives of others in our day-to-day travels and interaction with other people. We pray, Lord, in Christ's name, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. As we close our service together, I'd like you to turn with me to number 587. Number 587. Call to be as part. To show his grace to all those around us. Now, in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit, rest on each one of us, now and forevermore.
0: Thank you for tuning into this week's service. Again, we would love to have you join us at one of our two Sunday morning services. First at 9.30 in either Elfin or Snow Road. We alternate week week after week throughout the summer. And then in the winter, we're only in Elfin. And then again at 11 a.m. in McDonald's Corners. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook or call us at the number in the bulletin. We hope to hear from you soon, and we hope that this message has reached you wherever you are.